Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Sing this song, sing it one by one. 
Hello, beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome Katarina Polanska. And Katarina and I dive in to dating and in particular, dating if you identify as a high achiever. Now, this episode will be valuable to anyone, but particularly we focus on you know, if you consider yourself type A, high achiever, I mention you know, myself as a, a competitive athlete for, for most of my childhood and into my adult life. I can group myself into that category as high achiever. And with that can come some unique challenges when we're dating or when we're in relationship. And Katarina and I dive into this, how to navigate it, how to navigate these idea of perfection, what our expectations should be in relationship and a lot of other really important questions to ask ourselves. I really enjoyed this conversation with Katarina and Katarina specializes in helping high achievers be as successful in their relationships as they are in their careers. She is a ICF accredited high performance relationship coach and gender dynamics social scientist. She shares a lot of her own personal experience in dating and in her professional life and how to navigate those two things when she's very much a high achiever, went to Oxford. She gives a bit of her story in the beginning. And I think it's really valuable to know that these are not unique problems that you're facing with with all of our episodes. I think there's a lot of value in, in just understanding that and then certainly having the tools to navigate these different things, whether you're you're dating or in a relationship. For, for all of our episodes and today's show. We do talk about dating, but even if you're in a committed partnership, there's going to be things that you'll be able to apply. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Like and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. And if this is your first episode, thanks for tuning in. If you're a longtime listener, we really appreciate you. And we've been getting some really nice reviews lately. We appreciate that. We do, despite my my reluctance to sometimes dive in, I do check the reviews and, and I've addressed kind of, some would say it's like reading the YouTube comments, just don't do that. But I like to, to see the feedback. And in a previous episode, I addressed, you know, this idea that, you know, Sarah and I started this show uh, over nine years ago. And at the time we were married and for the last almost four years, we have been divorced. And this idea that that we need to be together in order to have a relationship podcast. And the reality is, is a couple things, but, you know, we never build ourselves as relationship experts. I certainly hope I've made that clear. I just enjoy having these conversations and getting this information right alongside you. That was one of the primary reasons we started it. It was like, hey, we get get to have interesting conversations and get relationship advice. And there's also this idea that a relationship is a failure if it ends. And I think we need to get rid of that. And not just because Sarah and I's relationship as romantic partners ended, but because the reality is, is a lot of relationships will end and it's how we navigate them and what we learn and how we grow when we're together and how we end them. That's really important. And Sarah and I have a beautiful co-parenting relationship with our daughter, Stella, who's now eight. And we're still very much in relationship, but it's just different. And I appreciate and love Sarah still very much to this day. And yeah, just wanted to 
to put that out there. And, and I know some of you that listen, you, you may not know our story. And, and Sarah and I have been talking about having her come back on and that we could just share, you know, a little bit more about our story of where we came from, where we're at. Um, but just wanted to, to let you know a little of the history, I guess, but I'll save the rest for, for the full episode when it comes. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Katarina. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Today, we're going to talk about how uh, really the work that seems like you tend to focus on, and that is helping high achievers understand what they want and, and help them in their dating lives and then in relationships. So I thought we could start by having you tell our listeners why you enjoy this particular area of focus, and then we'll dive into the ins and outs of, of being in relationship when we relate to ourselves as a high achiever. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of things that got me into this space. One, I mean, frankly, I've always been a high achiever. I've always been someone, immigrant family, who started out life working extremely hard and having this belief that no matter what I, whatever I put my mind to, I can achieve. And so I went to a really great girls' school and got all the A stars and all the good grades and went to a great university and left with a double first class degree and got a scholarship and blah, blah, blah. Went to Oxford. Then I went into the startup world and built some startups and constantly achieving, I now call it jumping through hoops where I knew what I should do to be successful in life. So I knew at some point I need to buy a home. I need to save money in order to qualify for a mortgage and buy a home. So I need to have tenure at a company. And I just... I'd been fed what a lot of us are fed, which is here is the trajectory of what a successful life looks like. And, you know, being pretty rational and logical, I was like, well, ultimately, I want freedom and happiness. This seems like the route forward. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it as well as I can. And I did it. And then it came to a point in my late 20s where I thought, okay, you know, biological clock is ticking. Now is the time to find a partner. And get that part of my life sorted. And obviously I'd been dating and whatever. And so I took a very goal-orientated mindset to that. And I mean, I know a number of women who have done similar, you know, opened the apps and started scrolling through and found someone. I mean, this wasn't someone, I'd been on probably like a hundred dates before this, but you get the gist. And uh, ultimately found someone who ostensibly ticked all my boxes and seemed like a good choice. And we started dating and everything was really picture perfect, kind of Instagram perfect. And I truly thought I was doing everything right. It felt like there can't be any holes in this. It's all planning out as I figured, you know, we had a home together, we had the beautiful wedding planned, we got engaged, obviously, and um, had the great careers and the great lifestyle and the travel. But something always felt a little bit off in my gut. And like the kind of classic high achiever, I began Googling and did my therapy and I was exploring, you know, what could be wrong? And I took that responsibility on myself and assumed that I'm going to be the problem. So I need to do, throw more money at the problem, get more therapy, get more help and I'll figure it out. And so the deeper I went into that space and a bit of context to this, 
at Oxford, I did a master's in women's studies. So I, I specialized in gender dynamics. So as a kind of high achieving, ambitious, driven, hardworking female with a pretty senior vice president of the corporation, I immediately assumed through all my therapy and coaching, I'm the problem. The problem is I'm being too masculine in my energy. Polarity isn't working out here. That's why I'm feeling off. I'm simply working too hard. I'm simply showing up with too much drive and ambition. And it's actually not conducive to a healthy relationship. And so I quite logically began to diminish myself and try to package myself up into being what I believed I should be as a good female. And so I kind of played, well, I now realize I played, but I tried to be more feminine, be more soft, be more gentle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, nearly three years down the line, I found out that actually he'd been cheating on me the whole time. And my gut instinct had been flagging that up. And I'd been right all along to be feeling off. I just hadn't seen the signs and I'd ignored what I now see as red flags. And I essentially gaslit myself into being pretty unhappy and believing that I'm truly the problem and it's down to my femininity, it's down to my drive. And and so as I ended that engagement, took some time out, I was reflecting on how is it that, you know, my, my father's a relationship coach. I watched my parents go through a divorce. I've studied gender dynamics. I've been in therapy for 15 years. I've had a lot of relationship coaching. I followed all the Instagram coaches. How is it that even I still got it wrong? And that's where I I was really puzzled by that. And so I spent almost a year digging deep and looking at what is the common denominator, me, and what is the what are the common themes in all of my relationships? And that's where through a really kind of deep introspective, eventually what became quite a systematic bit of analysis, and in talking to other people, I realized that there's the common theme around people who are driven and ambitious and smart and prioritizing careers and and work. And that's that there are blind spots that we have, blind spots with our heart and also a pretty toxic belief that the, especially as women, that the ambition and the drive is somehow a bad thing or it's something we need to be either ashamed of or something we need to change. And so I realized that actually I'd been really pairing myself up with the wrong people, people who weren't my match. And I'd been neglecting my own needs and I'd been ignoring who I really am at my core, who frankly was always this kind of pretty nerdy, go-getting, boisterous, bit of a tomboy kid, right? And so anyhow, before I knew it, I actually met my my now husband and it was a very different type of connection, very much more freeing. I was able to be myself. I was able to bring that ambition and drive and my authentic femininity and who I am as a human being, a whole person. And the relationship has been entirely different. And so that was in tandem to me working in the behavioral science space. I worked for a big coaching company. I've been in the behavioral science space for a number of years now as that vice president of that corporation, which is a behavioral science corporation. So I've been studying psychology. I've been studying human dynamics and people and kind of strategizing on behavioral change. And as I put it all together and I began training as a coach and began coaching, I realized this is where I want to focus. I want to focus on this one really big blind spot and this 
common problem that I see around really smart, ambitious people who have everything in their life figured out. But when it comes to their relationships, it's like there's a, a kind of a black hole. There's like a, a gap there. And when that, when it is filled, there's a lot of self abandonment. And I find that heartbreaking. And so the final thing I'll add, as I began coaching and I was working with founders and executives and really smart people, it was a repeated theme that I kept seeing. Incredibly smart, ambitious, driven men who were frankly settling in their relationships or tolerating what is, you know, I, I told a client yesterday, abuse from a lot of very toxic feminine women. And equally, I saw a lot of, I see a lot of very smart, achieving, high achieving, driven, ambitious females who are shape-shifting and bending themselves like pretzels to appease the egos of a lot of toxic masculine men. And so there's something around this kind of gender dynamic and this shame around who we are that doesn't work in relationship. And that's what I want to solve. Bring more acceptance, compassion, understanding who we are, understanding our needs and being honest about them and meeting people who are actually our match. That was a very long intro. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. Thank you for sharing your personal story. And there's so much to, to dive into and so many different things. I'm taking notes over here that I want to address. Um, can we start with, you mentioned it a couple of different ways, but I think it's really important talking about settling in, in the shape shifting. And to me, those are those are different things, but they can also be similar. And I've noticed in my own dating life that there is this this theme of it's not necessarily not being authentic, you know, because there's different degrees to that. We can really not show up as ourselves and, and that's going to be unhealthy. But I think it can be in small, subtle ways, especially, you know, if we're, if we're trying to get this other person, I don't want to say get them to like us, but we're, we're putting on our best selves and mm -hmm. especially early in dating. How can we show up authentically and not shape shift and not you know, in your case, you said, make yourself smaller. Maybe in, maybe you can share what you did with your now current husband. It seemed like you were able to show up authentically as opposed to the previous relationship where you realized you were making yourself smaller. Yeah, absolutely. And it's still something I'm working on, truly. I think when I get to grips with the kind of the fire and the passion and the ambition in my heart, it can even scare me a little bit, right? Because, yeah, it's it's not, especially with women, like a traditionally feminine thing to do. And yes, I believe that we're all change makers. We can all create such profound, good change and impact in the world if we were all free to do it. And to me, so much of what I do boils down to getting clear on our core needs as human beings. What are our needs? And a lot of those needs are covered up or riddled with shame because societal influences, culture, family, whatever it might be, gender dynamics have instilled shame in our needs. And so one of my core needs is to truly to fulfill my intellectual potential, which might sound a bit weird, but I see that a lot with a lot of the high achievers, whether they're very senior academics, whether they're founders, whether they're you know, top executives at their company, but there's this kind of 
insatiable curiosity about the world and a desire to dive in and see like, what can I create? What impact can I have? What can I do? Am I the right person to do this? And when I find what I think I'm the right person to do, how far can I go with this? And it's this curiosity that really, to me, is one of the most beautiful things out there. And yet, it can be misconstrued as a, you're a workaholic, you know, you never put your laptop down, it's going to get in the way of relationships. And this kind of negative attitude towards it, which to me is kind of the heart of a lot of these problems. And so the more that we can get clear on what that need is within us and own it, like really own it and celebrate it and communicate that as clearly as we can, as early as we can in our relationships, that this is part of who I am. It is a non-negotiable. What can be done is we can work with it. We can transmute that energy into fulfilling the relationship. We can bring that curiosity and drive into the relationship and exploring how great can we be as a couple. And in the same vein, this is just going to be part of who I am. So I have a client who he, he honestly would happily work 70 hours a week and he doesn't get tired. He doesn't burn out. I see him and it like enlivens him. It energizes him. And I, I can relate to that. There'll be days where I can do a 12 hour day and I'm just on fire. I want to roll and I'm loving it. Other days, not so much. And it's not about shaming that and having this kind of artificial idea of like work-life balance, which is a bit of a myth for a lot of the high achievers out there, because actually our work can be our life because we want to have that impact. We want to have that curiosity. So it's about how can we, or how can I, or how can he communicate that to the partner, come at it from a place of vulnerability of here's who I am in my heart of hearts. Here's for what purpose I'm doing this. Here's my, my driver, my, my insatiable thirst for the need for it. And how can you meet me with this? And it might be as simple as, you know, you work together in the same room whilst kind of sitting side by side or curled up under a blanket. It might be that your partner decides to work with you. It might be that you have boundaries around a okay, cable well, Monday to Wednesday are going to be late night creative days of working hard. And then the weekends are going to be sacred relationship time. There will be ways to work around it. It doesn't have to be either or. But what does have to be done is to have that authentic need communicated sooner rather than later. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus 
protein, and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving Relationship Advice listeners 10% off when you visit hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good, and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family, and we all walked to the lake, and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and, of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low-quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney Show. His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to The Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. I'm just thinking about all the different angles here. And and yes, understanding our own needs is important. But I think unpacking that in because there's there's a couple of different options there. Like, let's say this workaholic, there can be someone that it's truly their most authentic expression mm-hmm. and they love that. And it can also be, I don't want to say toxic, but an unhealthy expression where Mm -hmm. they're running from their emotions and so they dive Mm -hmm. into work, right? So it's it's understanding our needs, but the layers there and really unpacking that and then and communicating it with a future partner or a current partner. So to me, it's it's a bit nuanced. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit, like working with your client where they're like, yeah, I got to work not to take this guy specifically, but let's say I want to work 70 hours a week. And, but it's really, they're, they're doing it maybe from a 
an unhealthy place. Maybe it, it's keeping, it's preventing them from real mm-hmm. connection because they're like, I'm married to my work and I don't have time for a partner, but I do mm-hmm. want a partner. So you know what I mean? Uh, maybe you could speak a little bit to really getting clear on that for ourselves. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a really good point. Absolutely. Workaholism and throwing ourselves into work can be an avoidance tactic, right? I had it myself last night. I had some uncomfortable emotion. And I, was like, I was like, I'm just going to work for another hour. And then I was like, no, no, I see what's happening there. I'm going to take that time out. I don't need to do this. And that really comes down to having as robust self-awareness as we can and being radically honest with ourselves. So absolutely, we can have that need for the, for the work and the creativity and the output. The tipping point is where it starts to feel draining. So it it still comes back to the needs, right? Burnout is simply, mm, it's a horrible thing, it's not simple, but burnout is a symptom of us neglecting our needs. So a workaholic is more likely to look tired, feel tired, probably self-abandon in terms of their bodily health their nutrition, they probably will be more drained and unable to show up in the relationship at their full because they're burned out, because they're neglecting their needs. And the work will either be something that they are drowning in because it's too much of it, or something that they're burying themselves in. And so a helpful marker, if we want to build that self-awareness, is to look at how are my energy levels? How am I feeling? Is the work something that I'm doing from a place of freedom and joy and that creative spirit? Or is it something that I'm doing out of force, grinding, grit, having to kind of be resilient through? And not to say that there can't be a bit of both. Of course, there'll be times when all work will feel like a bit of a grind. If you're not feeling very well, if you're in the throes of starting up an organization or your fundraising, there's going to be that grind potentially, right? Especially if cash flow is an issue. And at the same time, it's just about being self-aware enough to notice the patterns. Am I constantly grinding to the detriment of my relationships? Or am I constantly actually in flow and in a place of creative ease and spirit and and that kind of joy, joy joyousness that the relationships right now aren't something that is a problem? Because actually my relationships to myself and my own creative spirit Does that make sense? It's a little bit nuanced. It's kind of like a, yeah, we need to be very attuned to what's going on with us. Exactly. And that's just what I wanted to touch on. You explained it perfectly. So let's shift a little bit here to settling because as a, and I think this stuff can apply to anyone, you know, we're talking about high achievers, but, but there's themes that can apply to anyone. But I think you know, I would describe myself as a high achiever. I was a, you know, particularly in athletics, but intellectually, I like the simulation. But definitely from an athletic standpoint, I play college basketball, I race professionally paddling. And, and there was this idea uh, within myself of, of perfection, you know, winning, you know, I got to win and win the race. It's like, it's this underlying idea of perfection. So any athletes out there, I encourage you to unpack that if you if you have it. It's a continuous process for me in competition. And, and then I realized I was bringing that into relationships and balancing this idea of you know understanding our needs, mm-hmm. finding a partner and then not settling, but then not having mm-hmm. 
unrealistic expectations. To me, mm-hmm. that's such a a tricky balance. And maybe I'd like you to speak to that. But you mm. you mentioned intellectual stimulation, and one of the things I realized around that with myself and in relationship was that my romantic partner doesn't have to be everything to me. They don't have to be all my intellectual Mm -hmm. stimulation. And in fact, I do want to be fulfilled there, but I started trying to get fulfillment through my friendships there. And that felt really good. And it took a lot of pressure off the romantic relationship. But it also feels good to have stimulating conversation with our partner. So, (laughs) So how do we balance that? How can we think about that? Yeah, and you've raised a really good point because it's something that I see I wonder if it's a, I don't want to use the word generational, but something that's come with time and something that's been influenced by the toxicity of the kind of Hollywood narratives out there. You know, back in the day, the partner was certainly not expected to be everything. Also back in the day, there were a lot of toxic narratives and people unable to get divorced. So that's another whole story. But there certainly has been a shift or an emphasis with kind of the manifestation law of attraction movement and this idea that, you know, you can be anything in the world that you want to be and the world is your oyster and put your mind to it, that we can have the quote-unquote perfect relationship with a perfect partner. And this soulmate idea that this soulmate can be everything you've ever dreamed of and, you know, it's love at first sight. And these are all really unhelpful messages fundamentally because it's a lot of pressure. And I mean, think about it. Are you going to be the perfect person for someone else? Probably not, right? Like we all have our own flaws and we're all human and being human is really, really hard, especially right now where the world is on fire. The economy is terrible and it has been terrible for a while now. We've had pandemics. We have ongoing incessant war, human suffering. It's really an AI and recession layoffs. You know, it's a, it's a hard and scary place to be. And so no one's going to be perfect. We're all going to be slightly latently freaking out. And it's a hard place to be right now. A lot of people can't even afford their own home, no matter how hard they work. And a lot of it really is just luck. So this idea that you can have the perfect partner is such a unhelpful, toxic myth that just isn't, it doesn't help anyone, doesn't serve anyone, puts unnecessary pressure on ourselves to find perfection and also unnecessary pressure on the partner. I think a more productive way of looking at it is, is my partner, and this might sound very unromantic, but is my partner good enough for me? And by that, what I mean is, are they a good enough friend? Are they attractive enough that, you know, there is that polarity and that desire? Are they a good enough teammate? Again, no one's expecting perfection. Are they good enough in terms of my maturity, a relational maturity? Are they good enough spiritually? Do we align spiritually? Really, it's about thinking, do they feel enough for me without being overwhelming? Because frankly, dating perfection would be pretty terrifying, exhausting. We'd have our own imposter syndrome there. And do I feel enough for them? Is there that kind of balance there? And when you found that, that's the real gift because there's a grace and a humble kind of humanity to it of you know you're two humans, you are enough for each other, and you're wandering through this crazy journey called life, trying to figure out to the best of your abilities. 
And I think the final thing I'll say to that is there's some really great markers of, you know, kind of the science behind dating and what we need to be looking out for for compatibility. And really, if we can find someone who is good enough for ourselves across these five areas, one is kind of basic compatibility. Do we have the same values? Do we have similar energy levels? Do we have similar lifestyles? Do we have similar kind of hopes and ambitions? And do we want similar kind of things out of life? Again, no one's expecting 100% alignment. That would get quite boring, to be honest. But are we roughly on the same page? Then two, do we have similar relational maturity? So if push comes to shove, will we both lean in together, work on it together, maybe get the help of a marriage counselor if we need it later down the line? Will we both learn communication scripts if we're having repeated conflict? Will we both lean in and grow together? Can we do that? Then the third one is family patterns. Do we come from similar-ish backgrounds or have we done similar work? Again, no one's expecting it to be identical, but can we empathize and relate to each other and where we've come from? Then there's relationship patterns. Do we have similar relationship experience? Have they come from similar type of commitment? And again, they might be different. Someone might have been married, someone might not be. But can we approach the same type of relationship whether that's monogamous or polyamorous with a similar kind of lens and understanding there? And then the fifth one, I've actually forgotten what the fifth one was. <laughs> but there is a there is a fifth marker which will come to me. Oh yeah, conscience, like moral conscience. How are we around morality and how we view the world and treat people? That's another really big one because, you know, how they might treat a server in a restaurant can be very telling with their attitude towards other people. The guy who came up with this framework, he wrote um, How Not to Marry a Jerk. Brilliant book. Honestly, like life-changing book. And um, it's just some kind of basic markers to look at. So when we're evaluating partner, we can integrate head and heart, keep ourselves grounded, and find someone who is enough. And it's really that simple, which isn't that romantic, I guess. But a lot of this isn't romantic. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. When you work full time, have kids and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy. No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. 
OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. It's very valuable to take that rational logic approach because a lot of time and yeah, like you said, we, we think of that as unromantic because what does the heart tell you? And I find that the heart can be a bit misleading. Like obviously we want to listen to it, but it's complicated. There's lust and desire and physical attraction. And to me, that's more the heart, like this automatic response to a person, but then we need to bring the head in. We need to bring logic in to go, wait, Mm-hmm. Do our values align? Like I'm very physically attracted to them and that can override so much of our logical thinking. So it is important to be, as you said, quote unquote, unromantic. But it, but actually, I think it's important to rewrite that and go, hey, it's OK to to take a step back. Actually, it's necessary. So that's very valuable to, to think about. I want to talk a little bit about dating in the process and understanding our needs, asking ourselves these questions of the these five things you mentioned of alignment. And maybe you could share your personal experience because you said you, you were going on hundreds of dates. At what point do we, you know, we, we can understand and get to know a person surface level pretty fast. How do we navigate that in the sense of like, it's like, okay, I like this person and we've been on three dates we're aligning. But as a high achiever, I think especially, it's like there's this feeling of wanting to make sure, at least for me, of hesitancy of like, well, if I commit to this person, it's like, is there something better out there? I'm not, you know, like that kind of, it's scary. And and that has to do with commitment. and, And this thing, it's so nuanced, but 
Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Am I pulling on a thread here? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, maybe you Absolutely. could speak to this. It's, it's similar to that idea of like, is there something better out there, right? Which, oh, I'll never forget. I was on a date in London and uh, I think it was like date number four. And the guy said to me, and this was years and years ago, and he said to me, I was like, oh, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking like, oh, this is going pretty well. Like, oh, I actually end up committing to this guy in the future. And he said to me, I was like, you know, living in London, it's really hard to ever want to commit because honestly, with the amount of kind of transient people in the city, it's like every day there's a thousand new leads arriving. And I was like, oh boy, okay. He's viewing this as like a sale. This is not okay. And I get it because the world of online dating has made things pretty transient and people disposable. And that's again where there really is this cultural and societal myth that, you know, there's 8 billion people on the planet and the next best person is just around the corner and it can always be better. There's something in that. Well, first, there is something in that to an extent, right? If you're not feeling that connection with someone by date three, you're not feeling some level of attraction, you know, you typically want like a solid six to an eight out of 10. And 10 out of 10 is a bit of a red flag because it's probably going to be a trauma bond. So feeling some attraction and feeling that over three dates, you've managed to make your way somewhat through the five areas and you're you're feeling a bit of compatibility and interest. That's worth sticking with and exploring. It really is. Because whilst there might be this illusion that there's someone better around the corner, that is pretty much an illusion. I mean, the reality is that we will probably have hundreds of potential soulmates out there. I don't believe in this idea that there's one person. There's going to be hundreds. But in order to have the soulmate, we have to give them the time and space to see to what extent is this actually going to work. And if we're constantly looking for the next best thing, we're sabotaging every potential soulmate that we come across, right? We're disposing of them before we've given them the chance to reveal themselves. That comes with risk. Of course, we can spend two, three years with someone, we can marry someone and realize later down the line that actually we've either grown apart and maybe they're not what we what we need at this point and we're not what they need. And that's okay. It's scary. And it's, it's I would argue, it's even more scary if you're a quote-unquote high achiever because you might have more assets and more things to lose and you might have to make compromises. That's when all you can really do is protect yourself the best that you can, you know, use your best judgment, discern is this person the right person for me at this point in time? And are they enough? And if so, how can I move forward and put my all into it and still retain some kind of sense about me? You know, I'm all for like prenups and postnups and whatever it might be. There's nothing crude about that. It's just, again, reality, people, people change and then give it a go. And if it works, fantastic. And if it doesn't, that's kind of just life, right? Like that's, life comes with a bit of risk and my favorite writer always says, what you risk reveals what you value. So if you value connection, you kind of have to take that risk. I love that. What you risk is what you value. And I'll share, yeah, for me, I, I'm trying to sort all this out. Like I said, I'm dating and I had this moment last week. I was at, I go with my daughter, Stella, to a static dance every week. If if you guys don't know what a static dance is, it's just like a dance party where you're supposed to dance statically and it's part of our weekly practice. And my best friend was there with his 
partner, his girlfriend of like a year and a half. And they were all dancing, but they were really connecting beautifully. And and I saw that and, and I just had this moment of like, yeah, that I, I want that. I want that depth, but that requires risk. And I realized mm-hmm. that maybe I was in a pattern of dating people or not of of not risking myself, of, mm. of not really committing to that idea of wanting the the depth and really getting clear on that. And yeah, it was just like, it was cool to kind of see it and go, yeah, like in my head, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I want that. But I wasn't actually taking the actions to develop it. And I think when we really get honest with ourselves and go, well, you can have this idea of what you want, but then our actions are actually different, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's just, I, I wanted to highlight that because that became so clear to me. And I, I would imagine that's a, a common theme of what people can do. It's like, yeah, yeah, I want this in a partner. I want to settle down. I want depth and intimacy, but I'm choosing people that are unavailable. And I'm actually doing that subconsciously because I'm afraid of getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And if I know they're unavailable, I can I can kind of say, yeah, I want I, I want to be with this person. But the reality is, is there's like an easy exit, you know. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that because, yeah, I noticed it in myself and hopefully that's yeah. valuable. No, I hear you on that. And it's funny that, I mean, my coach, she's always saying how the parallels between building a business and dating are the same right? We can keep ourselves quote unquote safe by skirting around the sidelines. So you can date people who on a subconscious level, you know, are emotionally unavailable or unhealthy or too young, too old, whatever it might be. And then you're not really trying because you know that there's that way up. Same with the business. I used to skirt around doing leadership training and, you know, leadership coaching because I was like, this is safe. I don't have to be vulnerable. I don't have to talk about my personal life. And, you know, the the havoc that was my dating life. I didn't have to bring this to the table, but then I wasn't going all in and I was really eroding any chance of real success and truly connecting to clients. So if we actually want to be successful, kind of the high achiever paradox, we have to be vulnerable. And so when we think about that vulnerability and taking that risk, the fastest hack, the fastest hack to pretty much anything, I mean, honestly, I could talk about this for days, is learning to connect to ourselves and grounding ourselves within ourselves. So whatever that might look like, but it's going to be typically a combination of a rational practice with a somatic practice. So again, reflecting upon what is it that I need right now in order to feel safe. And then really taking that energy out of our head and putting it into our bodies into our heart, into our lower belly, into our legs, and just keeping that energy there and building this practice where we know and we trust that we are grounded and rooted within ourselves and we will keep ourselves safe, come rain or shine. And having that as a regular muscle that we cultivate. And if we, and obviously, you know, ideally remove any shame and judgment from that. So if in dating, what you need to feel safe and to ground yourself is actually to take things very slow, to be able to have some kind of boundary between yourself and the other person as you get to know them, as you get to ascertain how safe you feel with them, how safe they are. That might be about not being physically intimate too early on. It might be about choosing to share certain elements of your past with them in a way that is more under your control later on. 
It might be about giving yourself plenty of time and space to be alone and reflect upon how you feel before and after the engaging with them. It's really just about owning whatever it is that you need and accepting it. Even if it feels a bit weird or shameful or embarrassing or whatever, the more that we can just own it, accept it and give it to ourselves, the more confident and grounded we become within ourselves from a masculine energy perspective. Ironically, the more attractive you become to women because they're actually more grounded and stable within yourselves and you're looking after yourself, which is a very trusting thing for a woman to pick up on. It's kind of a beautiful paradox there. And for women, it's about creating that inner kind of masculine protection for ourselves so that we're not actually craving it from other people with like needy, leaky energy that we don't know who the people are. We don't know if we can trust them. We don't know if they're safe, but we know that we are safe, right? And we have that trusting muscle. So if anything happens that breaches our trust, we trust ourselves that we will remove ourselves from that situation. We will remove ourselves from the, the risk or the fear ground ourselves, calm ourselves, give ourselves what we need, and then sense check. Am I good to come back? Is this something I want to continue with? How do I really feel about it? Does that all make sense? Yes, absolutely. And we've covered a lot today in this conversation, Katarina. I really appreciate this stuff. It's super valuable for me personally, and I think our listeners will find it as well. Yeah, it it's a good reminder to take a step back and really have some intentional mm -hmm. space to feel into our body what it is that we need and get honest with ourselves. And and yeah, definitely a, a good reminder. It's something that that I want to do and put into practice. So, so thank you, Katarina, for coming on the show today. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? And if there's anything that we skipped over or maybe something you want to leave our listeners with, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. So I love connecting with people and building those relationships. You can find me on my website. That's katerinapolonska.com. You can book a call with me anytime or my LinkedIn. That's where I typically hang out where the, the other high achievers and my LinkedIn is Katerina Polonsky. So with a Y, you can find me there. Excellent. We will have those links in our show notes and on our website. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do 
with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com